welcome to the Saddle Cartel Podcast. We're going to talk tips, tricks, tactics, and saddle hunting scenarios with our staff from across the country, members of our Facebook page, manufacturers in the industry, and we'll probably get into a few campfire stories along the way. Enjoy the ride. Let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Saddle Cartel Podcast. Got a special one for you tonight. We've got two gentlemen on the line with us. Uh, they kind of are the head of operations. We're about the hottest thing you've seen in the saddle world here lately. Anytime you get on a site or a, a forum or a saddle page and somebody says, what's well, the most comfortable saddle out there, this saddle always pops up in the top of the list. So I want to welcome uh, Benny Gregoire and Anthony Regalo from Buzzard Roost to the podcast. Gentlemen, how are you doing? Good. Doing good, my man. Thank you for having us, John. Hey, thanks for coming on with us. I know this is going to draw a lot of attention. Like I was saying, you guys are probably the hottest ticket out there right now. You guys are putting out an awesome product. Everybody is just, you know, constantly giving praises to Buzzard Roost and the comfort and the, the build of those saddles. And uh, we can't be more more happy for you guys to jump on with us. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, we, we are definitely – gaining a lot of traction right now and uh loving every minute of it i bet this has been such a fun you know i've always loved whitetail hunting you know since i was six years old but it was almost like getting into this saddle world about four or five years ago it kind of reignited something for me kind of a new passion so to speak when it comes to hunting it's not that i didn't love it already but this has kind of been like a whole new aspect after chasing these critters for 30 plus years in the woods having something new and exciting coming on the scene it's something that's honestly has helped me so much in so many aspects of chasing deer um is this you know the saddle game and i i love it and i love all the products that come out and especially well-built stuff like your all's but before we get down that road um i kind of want to back up with both of you and get each of you to kind of tell me where you're from where you grew up and uh, who your big influences was that got you into the love of the outdoors uh, benny if you want to go first take it ahead yeah man uh so i believe i got started from what my what my daddy tells me is uh i started going with him when i was about two uh-huh. years old and uh he would tell me that he'd bring a sleeping bag and put it at the base of the tree and i would just sit in it while he would uh he'd climb up in his climber and and deer hunt um and i've just kind of been in love with it my entire life it's something i grew up doing uh, I didn't kill my first deer until I was about uh, 15 years old. Uh, my daddy didn't believe in giving kids rifles to to shoot, um, nor did he believe in, in just letting us uh, sit there by ourselves. So I kind of went through the paces, uh, squirrel hunting and rabbit hunting with him. And then I think when I was about 12 years old, he, he gave me my first shotgun, which ended up being his first shotgun, and wow. uh, a really cool experience there. I, I always saw that shotgun leaned up in uh, my grandmother's house, and it was an old house that uh, my great-grandparents built, and I always remember seeing it. The The laundry room was on the back porch, and, and I always remember seeing that shotgun there, and to this day, 
there's not a gun that I can shoot better. <laughs> I, I just can't. It's that one. Oh yeah. So uh, that's pretty cool. I I always dreamed I'd kill my first deer with it, but it it has zero deer to its name. I cannot kill a deer with a shotgun to save my life. Tearing up the I, rabbits I, and the squirrels I, with it though, I bet. Oh no doubt, no doubt. That's uh that's my favorite. I got plenty of pictures of squirrels and rabbits. Heck yeah. But, Deer, I have none. I don't know why, but I just can't hit them with a shotgun. Well, it's not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I was about 16 or 17 when I graduated to bow hunting. But uh, I didn't kill a deer until I was uh, I was married uh, when I killed my first deer with okay. a bow. So, And I used my father-in-law's bow at that. Oh, uh, so it, I think, uh, I think the outdoors and hunting's just always been with me. And I think like everybody else, we evolve into a, a need for, you know, um, a little more mobile aspect of the hunting game. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me interested in saddles. And saddles weren't even on the market when I started. I think the only one there was was the only one I knew of and saw was Arrow Hunter, the Kestrel. And man, that thing was fine. I wanted one bad, but uh, I was actually going through a divorce at the time, and money was tight. Sure. So, like everybody else, I understand uh, these things are expensive, and so I went the DIY route. And I took a old sit drag. I ordered a sit drag and I got my mama's sewing machine and I ended up making a saddle with paracord and a sit drag. Oh, wow. And uh, I've been in love ever since. And I think uh, I think that I will be saddle hunting for the rest of my life now. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, since I found it, and I'm, I'm so sad that I found it so late in life, I'll be 46 years old this year. I wish I'd have had this as a 20-year-old man. I, I think back, and I'm like, man, the opportunities I probably could have had to be in trees to kill deer <laughs> that I couldn't get in yeah. a, in a climber or a lock-on or a ladder with a saddle. Good Lord, the opportunities yep. that uh, I, I've missed through the years not knowing about this awesome device that we use these days. Cool. So, Anthony, how about you? Give us a little background. Uh, yeah, I, I was uh, I was born and raised in California. Uh, I joined the military shortly after high school, and I, I got stationed out here in Louisiana. And I've, I've kind of been here ever since. It's where I met my wife, and we uh, we moved. We actually became uh, neighbors, Benny and I, back in like 2009 or 2010. Okay. And, and that's about when really when I truly started hunting. Benny, Benny, Benny kind of got me in the deer game. So. Uh, <clears throat> He actually, he, he gave me my first bow, and I still use that bow today. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a uh, Hoyt Katana. I'm a Hoyt guy myself. That's good taste. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I, I didn't say it was good taste. <laughs> I didn't say it was good taste, but it was a bow that I could give to hey, it, it was, you. Yeah, it was a bow that he could, he could give to me, and, and it's been put to use, and it's put down some deer. So. Heck yeah, that, that's, that's all that matters. <clears throat> He actually, uh, I, he, I was cleaning out my garage the other day, and I found the first. He said he, he made himself a saddle, and he actually made me one too. And I and I found it yesterday. I was like, damn. No <laughs> so, anyways, but uh, I, I I wasn't really a big fan of the that saddle at the 
uh, the time he gave it to me, I was like, man, I, I just can't do it. I was in a really bad bad accident, so I have hip and back pain. Sure. But when he when he came out with that two panel, he was like, man, what you think of this? And I was like, yeah, not, man, I could do that. That it worked. Uh, so now that's all I hunt out of. Oh yeah, those are nice. Those are nice. <laughs> so that's you know that's another interesting story, Anthony. Is you know. Benny and I, we have a lot of similarities, you know, being involved in this, uh, in the world of the outdoors since we were young men, you know, kids. And then we love it just as much as a guy that found it 15 years ago, like yourself. And that's, you know, like the folks out there that that don't know the experience of this and want to speak badly about, you know, the guys that hunt, they don't realize that we love these animals just as much as they do, you know, and what, what we do in the outdoors, we're stewards of this land. We're stewards of these animals and we're trying to help manage these things so they don't get overcome by populations and disease and, and you, you know, you name it, fill in the blank. So you know, I love it when somebody finds a sport, a good friend of mine, Tony Sangelosi from John Archery, same kind of story. He didn't grow up hunting. Um, what led him into it was his daughter started uh, participating in uh, archery at school when she was about seven or eight years old, and she seemed to like it. So he, she asked for a bow for Christmas. And then Tony said, well, you know, if I'm going to get her a bow, I want to be able to do this with her. I'm going to get me a bow just so I can, you know, join in. Yeah. And then just those, just that little bit of – spark there led him into his passion so whether you've grown up doing it since you can remember or you're just finding it there's no better thing than chasing these critters um we we all know how much we love it it's a cool great story anthony all right guys so you know we got you up to that point we got anthony diying some saddles out there kind of give us uh, an idea on how buzzard ruth buzzard roost came to came to be where did this get birthed from after your dy experience benny well um so like anthony said i I made him a saddle and it was all pretty much kind of trying to to make a saddle similar to the kestrel Mm -hmm. just because that's what i saw and and it was really about cost savings to be honest with you you know I, i i could see the value in saddle hunting but I could not justify, for me at the time, I couldn't justify spending the money. And then uh, when I made the saddle and I found out how cheap I could make it, I was like, well, I'll make my best friend one for sure. And uh, and I made Anthony one, and I made a couple other guys one. Uh, and just same experience Anthony had was like, no, this this is not comfortable i I can't do it but i was still in love with the concept of saddle and i i knew i was never letting go of it and i was still hunting out of my sit drag and a buddy from work asked me he said man uh can you make me a saddle so i made him one and uh and that guy ended up he didn't tell me this right off, but he ended up buying a couple other saddles as soon as they came out on the market because it was not comfortable at all. Mm. He liked saddle hunting just like me, but the comfort wasn't there. And so uh, another guy at work asked me to build him one. And I was up late one night and 
So I decided to get a hold of the sewing machine and, and start making making him a saddle. But I had all this material here, and I said, well, I come up with an idea for the bottom panel of the saddle. It's not something I really set out to do. I was just sitting there, and it hit me. And I said, okay, well, I'll make it. And I made the bottom panel of what you see the Buzzard Roo saddle is today. It's, it's pretty much unchanged. The dimensions are all the same, everything. So I sat in it on my front porch. I tied a bridge on it and sat in it, and I said, wow, this is a world of difference from my sit drag. It's a world of difference. I don't... I don't understand why it's different just yet, but I'm going to figure it out. Uh -huh. So I brought it to the guy that had bought the other two saddles. And when he sat in it and tried it, he said, Benny, this beats the two saddles that I have. And he said, I didn't want to tell you about them because I didn't want to hurt your feelings about the first one you made me. And I said, man, you didn't have to worry about hurting my feelings, but do you really think it's that good he said yes it's it's that good it beats those two saddles hands down like there's no reason for me to use those other two saddles now if you make me one of these and i did and we we made a couple different versions of that but the bottom panel stayed the same yeah it never changed but the the back band and how they connected and everything you know became uh, a little bit different from the first one but so we, we just kind of evolved and tweaked things into what you see now as the Buzzaroo saddle. Well, whatever you did, it's working because I've not had the luxury of sitting in one of your saddles yet, but it's on my to-do list. But, man, all I hear is praises about how comfortable your stuff is. And, you know, anybody that's been in the saddle game any amount of time knows that, yeah, you want to be mobile, you want to be light, um, you want to be safe, but – once you're there and you've checked all those boxes, comfort, you know, comfort is going to be key to having an enjoyable experience in a saddle. So many times you see folks, they'll try it and maybe they didn't give it enough time or, or learn it enough to kind of understand the comfort that you can gain from it. But if you can dial those things in and find that comfort you need, and honestly, well, kind of like you, Anthony, I, I suffer from some back issues um, and Setting in a lock-on, setting in a climber or a ladder, I could sit for 30 minutes. My back is smoking. I mean, I'm constantly moving and wiggling and trying to adjust to, to find a good spot for my back. I've never had a back pain or a backache once sitting in a saddle. Yeah, I'm the same. The same. <clears throat> yeah, that, that was also one of the things that was kind of pushing me on this saddle build is, you know, Anthony – uh, knowing his situation and about his accident and all, it was like, man, I, I hate to know that he's packing that climber in there and he's coming hunting with me. Mm -hmm. And I'm not holding back on him. I'm going three miles in and putting him in, in some really good spots. And, and he's packing this stand, and I'm like, I know he's hurting because he's packing this weight. Sure. And, uh, you know, so that's the reason I eventually put him in a saddle. And he just he just couldn't couldn't do the original saddle that I made him. And when I designed this one, I said, "Man, you have got to try it one more time for me, because I, I know this will make a world of difference in in your game for sure." 
I'm guessing you loved it, Anthony. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> as soon as I tried it on, I was like, bro, this is it. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to hunt it. So once you guys figured out, hey, we've got something here, where did the idea to go ahead and put this out to the public come from? Uh, I ended up selling – I before I put it to the public, I, I did the patent process on it, and uh, I went through that. And while I was going through the patent process and making sure it was finalized, uh, just local people. I have a cousin that, for whatever reason, he's very connected with the community around here. Mm-hmm. And he, he's a young guy. Uh, and he he got one from me, and he loved it. And next thing I know, my phone's kind of ringing off the hook just with guys wanting them. Hey, can you make me one? Can you make me one? And I said, yeah, I can. And then it it grew so big where I said, man, I I really got to try and put this on the market. And then I have to do all the, you know, the background stuff that nobody sees to make sure that uh, everything's safe and that uh, everyone's protected in the saddle. Mm -hmm. But it, it started out as friends and family. And then it was like, hey, we got to go. I, I got to go legit with this if, if I'm really going to uh, try and do this. So it, whenever we launched, you know, we, we got out there and did everything in the background that we were supposed to do. And it was kind of a, a slow deal for us. Uh, just made a few posts on Facebook. And, but really what kept it rolling was that word of mouth uh through local people and also the the few sales that we did make on Facebook it we could pretty much track you know through them our our next few customers and you can pretty much attribute uh three saddles to one one customer oh, yes yeah. i mean if that makes sense. sense for for everyone that came to us you can connect about three more yeah and that's that's all it takes it takes one guy to tell two people those two two people tell two more people each and then there you go yep and i like i say it's almost like in the last what would you guys say year and a half two years you guys have just taken off at like rocket speed as far as being one of the top brands out there uh, in my opinion i mean when you see guys asking what's the best out there you're always at the top of that list yeah. Um, so, yeah. so would you guys agree the last year and a half, two years, it kind of took off like that? Yeah. Based on the amount of sleep we get, yes. <laughs> yeah, we, we were so, just joking, like, hey, bro, this, this is our year. This is our year. Talking about this this year. And, uh, yeah, I think I think we just kind of blew up. Yeah. How big is your operation now, uh, now that you've gotten so popular? How big have you guys grown? It's growing. Uh, right now we have two seamstresses. And we have one utility guy that can sew, mm-hmm. and uh, he does some work for us. We just we just lost a, a little guy. He decided to move back home to Florida. Okay. Uh, but he was sewing for us, so we'll probably be looking to pick up another one here uh, in the next coming months, couple months or so. And then we have some admin people that are keeping things flowing for us while we're working day jobs sure i mean that's 
That's a must. So for the people listening, tell us a little bit about how you do your testing as far as safety. I mean, that's I'm to my understanding, that's a third party that does all that testing. Is that right? That's correct. Yep. We send it to a third party uh, facility and they do multiple tests on it, drop tests, uh, pool tests, and they, they test it in different, uh, different heights and, and things like that. And I'm assuming it has to meet a certain uh, spec for it to, you know, be yeah. able to be marketed out to the public. Yes. That what is it, true. Awesome. So something that's very unique about the buzzer roost that you don't see on other saddles is the way it attaches to that. Uh, you basically got two saddles in one. If you're looking at it, you've got the top panel that comes in and the bottom panel that comes in. Tell us a little bit how that helps with, you know, gaining that comfort factor with you guys. Okay. So I'm going to revert back to the story of how it was designed and, and tell you that the bottom panel, uh, there wasn't even a top panel in the thoughts when I made it. I, I, I didn't have a thought on how to make the top panel. I made the bottom panel. And when I realized, you know, the geometry of it and I sat in it and it was so comfortable, I said, okay, this is great, but how am I going to make sure that I stay in the saddle? And so to keep somebody in the saddle, you have to have a, a strap above the iliac crest. And that's the iliac crest is those two hip bones you feel. And so you have to have a strap that, that stays above that. And so the back band was kind of secondary to that. But I realized that the back band has to be attached to the bridge some sort of way. And that's what led me to double up the Prusik knots and make that yoking system there you see in the, in the center of the two bridge loops. And I'm assuming that's what your patent's for is that specific design because I've not seen anybody else's design that way. That's correct. That's it. Well, that was a fabulous idea. It has definitely worked out for us so far. The ability to adjust both of those panels independent of each other really, really allows us to cater to every body type. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how many lady listeners you have, but uh, for the ladies, we're able to mix and match panels. So, Ladies are shaped much different than us. That's why we love them. Sure. So the bottom panel can be a regular size saddle, and we can bring in a small back band if we need to and, and join those two together. And now we can fit a lady, and she can be comfortable where she doesn't have to sit in a, a, a regular or a large bottom with a regular large back band that doesn't fit her mm -hmm. upper body. Sure. So that that's another great feature that we're able to do. Obviously you have to, uh, or maybe not so obvious, but if, if a lady's interested in a saddle and she just wants to give us a phone call and say, Hey, you know, um, I have a figure. It, is there anything y'all can do to help me, 
uh, fit in the saddle? The answer is yes. Um, we found through demo days and things that uh, the ladies need different features out of a saddle. And we found that our saddle and the CGM, uh, the custom gear modification saddle, fit the ladies very well. So uh, that's something else that we offer. Yeah. Ladies, if you're listening, take note of that. And all the husbands and boyfriends out there, if you want to get your significant other into the saddle game, make sure you give Benny and, and Anthony a ring and let them customize that saddle. <laughs> so not only can you do that, I've seen a lot of saddles, you know, guys posting their stuff that you all have made for them. And you all can do custom saddles too, like custom patterns. Um, I've And the coolest ones I've seen is guys is taking like – uh, like their military camouflage and their name tags and, and unit numbers of stuff and, and put them on them saddles. So tell us a little bit about what you offer with customization like that. Yeah, man. Uh, Anthony, you want to take that one? <laughs> I, well, I can, I can kind of start on it. <clears throat> we weren't originally going to do custom saddles. We just kind of wanted to stick with the standard design and just keep it standard. Um, and I was like, man, I really want my own custom saddle. I want to use my military uniform to do it. And I, I got with Benny and showed him, like, hey, can how can we make this work? And he made it work, and I was like, I think we should push customs. <laughs> and I, I don't know if he wanted to or not, but we decided to go ahead and do it, and that kind of blew up from there. We, I, we probably sold just as many customs as we did regular saddles, I think. I can tell you right yeah. now, when I see somebody post one, I'm like, man, that's slick right there. <laughs> Those yeah, things look good. Endless, and, we, and we allow them to choose, like, down to the thread color. like So it, it's, it's, it's pretty – it's intense, but it's it's worth it. Oh yeah, and you know yeah. if, and I, I'm not a veteran of the military. I am a veteran of law enforcement, but I have nothing but 100 percent respect for our military members, and for them to be able to have a little honor in what they do and put that on a saddle and, and promote that, even if nobody's seen it but the deer. Hey man, I you're always going to have my respect. So yeah. I think that's just yeah. that's just completely awesome. I love that. That's uh that's how we feel about it too, and uh, we even offer. Well, I say we do. We used to offer a American flag patch to go on on the saddle to support law enforcement and veterans, and just recently we decided because ninety nine percent of our saddle orders were asking to put that patch on. Uh we went ahead and decided to take it off as an option and every saddle gets it. We did have to do a little price increase to cover that, but mm -hmm. we didn't see where anyone minded doing it. So like I said, 99% of our customers were adding it. So we went ahead and, and we wanted to add it on there and uh, we went that route. And what we do with those, that little bit of cost increase is we take and, uh, through different avenues, sometimes we do a giveaway on our personal side. We'll, we'll give away a, a saddle to a military or law enforcement first responders. Uh, we love all all manners of service. So uh, we'll do a, a personal giveaway with those. Um, most recently, we partnered with, uh, I believe it was Greenlight Outdoors. He uh, he got with a bunch of different uh, businesses in the hunting industry and created like a gift basket type deal with different products, some broadheads, some scent control, uh, you know, some knives, 
and we contributed uh, a buzzard roost saddle, and we we attributed that to uh, those flag patches that that were being ordered. So awesome. through different different routes, we were giving back to those service members. Well, I'm sure it's appreciated, and you know I'm not obviously can't speak for everyone, but I have a strong suspicion that most of us outdoorsmen are patriotic Americans first, and there's going to be no shame in wearing that that flag patch on a saddle. So uh, kudos to you guys for putting that on there. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So tell me, Navis, you're you know you're in the hunting industry, and you're you've got a hot product. Is what doors is this open for you guys? Have you guys been able to get out and meet other companies and other uh, folks in it, or are you kind of just staying local to Louisiana? Or where's where's this taking you so far? Um, man, really, just meeting people and. Uh, local people when we go to shows uh, I know we, we've hit the mobile hunters expos and we get to meet people up there we've been invited on, on many many hunts uh, and to come to people's place or go hunt with them on some public land and all that and we definitely uh, appreciate all that it's just time off from the day job to go do it I think is what holds sure. us back a lot yeah um Man, we, we do meet other companies. Uh, I know uh, we are friends with Jerry Grow over at, um, at CGM, uh, Matthew Tompkins at TX5. Both those guys make phenomenal saddles. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, real eye-catcher saddles they make. And sometimes I get jealous myself. I'm like, man, I want that thing. <laughs> But, uh, uh, they seem like such down to earth, great people. I've I've got Matt in the works to jump on here and do a podcast podcast with me. We've actually gotten Jerry on uh, a few months ago and had one with him. He's a great guy. He's always um, been more willing to help. We did a, a fundraiser <clears throat> for Saddle Cartel. We was raising team or money for a, a youth archery team this past fall, and Jerry donated a a saddle and some stuff for that fundraiser. And it was, it was a big hit, but yeah, Jerry seems like a great guy. Matt seems like a great guy. Obviously yeah. you, you know, you, you two fellas top of the line. I mean, and when it comes out to it, we're all just country boys that just love to chase deer. That's, you know? that's right. I can tell you both. Those are two selfless gentlemen. Uh, I ha- I've had trouble with sewing machines and I've called them. And they've helped me work through some of my troubles with the sewing machine. Um, I know, I know. On other occasions, they've called me and and asked uh, for my help, and I enjoy doing it. Well, I, I think that's awesome that you guys can network like that, help each other out, and there's no animosity, there's no, you know, friction between you because we got too much of that going on in this country already. So, that's you right. know. I don't know if you guys follow uh, Dan State from Elk Shape. <clears throat> I do watch some of his stuff. But one thing I like what he says is, you know, let's come together as a community. You know, and I, I love people that endorse that and embrace that. And we should all – there should be no division when it comes to this. Yeah, you may have a favorite thing you like or a favorite piece of equipment. Where does the bashing need to take place? It doesn't. We just need to support, get behind everybody that loves what we do. and 
you know, one thing we we try to stand for in the saddle cartel is, you know, we don't let people bash people. We don't let people bash products. We're here to support everybody and what they and their hopes and dreams. And, and I think it should always be that way across the board when it comes to hunting. I mean, yeah. So that's awesome that, that Matt and Jerry's so willing to help you guys. So getting away from the business aspect of it. Tell us how the saddle game has changed hunting for you because I know for me and for many others, it's changed a lot. So once you got into these saddles, tell us about how chasing whitetails got completely different with a saddle. Just if you can remember back how much better it seemed to make you as a hunter. Okay. So uh, for me, I got into saddle hunting about the same time I got into public land hunting. And I think the biggest difference for me was I hunted a small piece of private land growing up. And it's 120 acres, and I think we had four or five of us hunting it. So where you hunted was limited, and you didn't really learn to read the sign and to actually hunt. You know, my, my daddy taught me about the sign. My cousin taught me about the sign and said, hey, this is a, a scrape. You know, this is a hooking. Deer love to eat acorns. And it's like, man, if you if you see deer tracks, you see acorns, you know, you'll kill deer there. And they weren't wrong, but they didn't have it down to the science of it and to where, you know, you can call your shots and say, hey, when I sit this tree, you know, I'm going to see and, and kill a deer. And when I got into public land hunting, I also started following uh, a gentleman named Warren Womack. Uh, and he's a southern legend down here. And his style of hunting is to hunt hot feed trees, he calls them. And that's acorn trees that are mowed to the ground underneath all the leaves are raked out from under it and there's nothing but deer tracks and you have uh you have deer crap all under it you know and you have you have all different ages of deer crap you have fresh you have last night and you have two day old and if you don't have all three of those you're, you're not doing you're not in the right spot. It's not hot yet. Yeah. If that makes sense, you know, oh, yeah. it, it shows repetition. It shows that they're coming in and that they're going to continue to come in until it's dead. Sure. And you go sit a tree like that. You can almost call your shot and say, Hey, I'm going to kill a deer. <laughs> and you know, I, I didn't kill very many deer growing up from 15 till you know, uh, I think I was in my mid twenties when I started, um, hunting public land and I don't really, I didn't really kill a whole lot of deer. I might've had maybe, you know, 10, 15 deer to my name, you know, in that, in that time, which, I mean, you talk to any good hunter now, they, they've killed way more than that. But Warren Womack had 300 traditional bow kills. Wow. And he has record of every one of them. What tree killed him on, what day, what what time it was, you know. And so I just took all of his data and started applying it. And 
I really started seeing and killing deer. I'm not a horn hunter. Uh, I love big horns, but, you know, they, they really don't mean anything to me. My limited amount of time, you know, to take time away from my family and, and go hunt for a week, I want to maximize it and kill as many deer as I can. Sure. So so that's that's how I apply it. And the saddle game, converting to a saddle – it was a mental aspect for me more than a physical and maybe they work together physical and mental. You know, I would get to a spot and I would say, is this what Mr. Warren was talking about? Is this the tree? And I would set up on it and I was guessing, I was guessing. And he, he preaches that when you find that tree, you will know it. And I think I was just, a little physically and mentally worn down, you know, that when I got to a spot, I just guessed and said, yeah, I'm a hunter. But when I swapped over to a saddle and committed to walking and, and scouting more than I was hunting, I started seeing and killing more deer. It, it gave me the ability to, to walk away from a spot that I was unsure of. Sure. And move on to the one that said, this is the spot. And uh, Anthony was had just started hunting with me uh, when I really started peaking in my, in my ability to just know that I was going to kill a deer. And I remember one uh, specific trip with Anthony. I went in that morning. It was our first hunt in, at this uh, WMA. And when I went in, I went in at daybreak. When I'm scouting uh, uh, scouting and hunting, I'll scout and hunt the same time. Uh, I went in at daybreak. I waited till the sun was up, and I scout that way because I can see through the woods and not spook deer. I don't want to walk on deer in the morning mm. that could possibly be feeding. Sure. So I'll walk in at daybreak where I can see them just as good as they can see me and then i'll i'll find a tree and hunt and i'll i usually like to hunt the nine to ten o'clock hour because i i feel like a lot of deer move in and a lot of times you know other hunters that's when they're getting down and they push deer on you yeah but exactly. i went in that i went in that particular morning and i found a small ditch that went down to a a, a larger creek and it was dry but it what it had done was formed a trough for acorns to fall into. And when I, I found it because I looked at the squirrels, there was a a mess of squirrels running around. They was rutting in the tree and acorns were just raining. And when I stopped to look at them, I stopped over the top of that, that little ditch and there was nothing but deer tracks. And it was just like a feeding trough. <laughs> and I said, man, I'm going to hunt this. And I believe I got to that tree about 8 o'clock, and I climbed it and watched squirrels for about 30 minutes before the first deer showed up. And so at 8.30, I shot and I missed a, a big doe. And they ran off, and I was disgusted, and but – my my arrow rest didn't drop that morning oh man and it i guess uh 
I don't know why, but it, it just kind of froze up on me. So I had a little needle oiler back in the truck. So I got down, went back to the truck, oiled up my arrow rest, took a couple shots, and got got back confident. And by the time I got all that done, Anthony had come back to the truck, and he was just kind of uh, sitting around and. And I went scout uh, uh, SMZ, a streamside management zone. It was a, uh, it was a, a shallow ditch, but they couldn't log it, so they left all the acorn trees there, and there was CRP on both sides. And I went and scouted it, and I found another tree, and I said, "Oh man, this is it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill one." And when I come back out, I told Anthony, I said, "I'm gonna kill a deer this evening," you know. Let's let's go hunt, and he kind of looked at me like, "Yeah, right." Uh, that you know, who do you think you are calling your shots like that? And I, I was like, "Man, I'm gonna kill one." I'm telling you, it, it's just that tree. It it was exactly like Mr. Warren explained it. It was down to the bare dirt. Acorns were falling. There was old crap, new crap. It, it was just on fire. And I went to that tree, and again, a doe and a yearling come out, and I shot the doe, and I was back at the truck. I'd skin her out out there and packed her out and was back at the truck before dark. Oh, wow. And that was the hunt that really ignited, and I, that's where I peaked. And I killed it out of my saddle, and I, I, I really haven't looked back since. Yeah. <clears throat> How about you, Anthony? Well, I, I'm going to kind of piggyback on him a little bit. He, ben, Benny's, he's, I guess he, you know, he's my hunting mentor. So I've, I'll, everything I've learned was from him. Um, so like when we'd be out uh, scouting or whatever, like anytime Benny would hunt, I was back, back when, when I was in the military, if I was off, I was going with him. <laughs> I was, if he's, if he's going hunting or going to go be, go be in the woods to scout, I was with him. So he, he, you know, he, he really kind of, he's the reason I, I know uh, some of the things that I do know because I was paying attention to what he was telling me. Like, hey, look, see, that's what th- th- they're doing this. That means they're moving this way. Look at, look at these hookings over here. And, and like, so he explained things to me to, to like, he basically had to dumb some things down. Like, cause I was still, I'm still, I was still new at the time. <clears throat> um, but yeah, my, my, my experience basically came from him. I, I piggybacked off of him. Okay. Um, it, which is funny because that 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 ex- particular experience that he was talking about, we got back to the truck. I said, "Where's your deer?" And well, Sucker had it already. He had it already packed up in his bag. <laughs> he, Heck he, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then uh, a while back ago, it, I was kind of had the same thing. Me, me and another buddy of ours was out hunting, and I told him, "I said, dude, if, if you're not hunting this spot, I'm gonna hunt it." Well, that that morning we got up to go hunt, and he didn't get up, so I went out there and hunted, and I ended up shooting one, a big eight point out there. Yeah, oh, nice. So, I said, I told you I was going to hunt it. You weren't going to be out there. It's, it's just the, <laughs> the sign that you get to look for and sure. the things that I've learned and, and just the experiences that I've got to got to experience. It's just, just it's awesome. I've, like, it I've, I've been hooked since. And <clears throat> as far as saddle hunting goes, I, like Benny said, I was carrying an a, a old man stand on my back for a lo- for long time. And then, mm-hmm. then I started carrying a summit. And, and now, um, and I would do that a, a, a climber with a backpack full of stuff, you know? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. So now I'm just, it's my saddle and a backpack. And I'm like, man, if I can, if I could walk three miles with my, my uh, stand in a backpack, I can sure do it with a, with just a backpack and my saddle on my waist. 
Absolutely. Now, are you guys multiple stick guys, or are you one stick? How do you ascend trees? I, I use so, sticks. Yeah. So, one thing that Anthony is not going to tell you, and he's not going to be mad at me for telling you, but he's just not going to talk about it. Anthony's accident was pretty severe, and, and he broke his pelvis in it. And uh, they weren't sure if he was going to walk again. And at the moment, it happened, wasn't sure if he was going to live. But that accident happened. Uh, we were leaving to go on a hunt that weekend when that accident happened. And one thing that that accident has done is limited Anthony's mobility and his, uh, his ability to, to climb. Mm-hmm. And that's when I say I, I know he's hurting carrying a, a tree stand. You know, that, that was one of the things that I, I was trying to figure out how I could keep him in the woods, too. Sure. Because I did notice a, a difference in his uh, emotional state with him being limited. And you could see a little depression on him when he couldn't do the things he used to do before. So I was determined to make sure that he could get in the woods with me. And I, I saw the saddle being uh, an advantage. And I also, uh, wild edge steps, uh, you, they're, they were originally designed uh, by a gentleman who had, I can't remember exactly what the inter, uh, injury was, but he could only take one step at a time with one leg. He was mm-hmm. limited to one leg to step up. And so the wild edge steps, I believe, is what I, I pushed Anthony towards first. Yep. Yep. And that's what I use first. So <laughs> to be honest with you, when you ask what uh, if we're one stick guys, uh, multiple stick guys, my answer is I will always have a set of wild edge steps with me. Okay. They're, they're the most versatile step on the market, period. And I say that with no shame. Uh, we look forward to the day where we can offer sticks to the public. Uh, but I will still that day tell you that the wild edge steps is the most uh, versatile step on the market. Awesome. And it doesn't fit exactly. It will fit every situation. But there are situations where you can be a little more efficient. Me personally, I have one stick. I've one stick without a stick and just use an aider on a uh, on a on a on a tether, mm-hmm. and then set a platform when I got to the top and rappelled down. I've used spurs. Uh, I have about I've done the two tether climbing method from Jerry Grow. I've done it. Uh, I like it. It stays in my arsenal too. Uh, so I have about five of them that I keep with me all the time. Oh wow. And the reason I was asking is a lot of questions you'll see on some of the pages is, can you one stick in a two panel saddle? And my answer is always, yes. I don't think a two panel is going to limit you at all. Uh, using a one stick. I actually was in, uh, a two panel three years ago and one stick mm-hmm. that season. And I had no issues. And I, I, it always makes me curious why people ask that question, you know, why or, do you think you can do it in a two panel? I, I can't see why a two panel would be any different from a single panel when it comes to one sticking. I personally, I think uh, that a one panel would be more difficult than a two panel 
And I, I think the question comes up a lot is because I don't think we've even touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to uh, people being in saddles. Mm-hmm. I think that there are plenty of hunters out there that still have not tried a saddle. Yeah. And that's just mind blowing to most of us, you know, they've been doing it so long or even if you've been doing it three or four years, it's like, man, what you mean? You don't know what one sticking is, <laughs> but I can tell you our inbox is full of guys that are telling us, Hey, this is my first year saddle hunting or, you know, I, I'm just now getting into it. So if everyone listening, be patient with those guys. You were once oh, yeah. there too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but when it comes to rappelling down and one sticking, going up isn't the issue that I would be concerned with. It's coming down and that angle of pull on that rappel rope, it tends to want to pull everything upwards, including uh, your saddle and up your back. Yeah, okay. Uh, so single panel guys – you can probably relate to that. I've I've repelled out of my first saddle, which is a single panel, and that's that's what I found was that it wanted to ride up my back and and just come up on me. Okay, yeah, I always kept my leg straps cranked down on my two panel just to avoid that. So that was yeah. kind of my answer to, to stop it from riding. You know, and a two panel does sit up a little higher on the back, so that angle of uh, the repel is going to be a little bit more steep so to speak, yeah. but um, so the buzzard roost eliminates that with, with its uh, independent panel design. Whenever you go to rappel down, you rotate, you rotate the prussic on your bottom panel uh-oh. to the top side and it cups you even okay. harder yeah. and it, and it eliminates it from uh, riding up on you. And nice. you, you can leave the back band where it's at. And that's yeah. something I do when I repel is I'll I'll put it to the top side just to repel down. And then when I get to the bottom I my weight's out of it and I just push the prussic back to the to the starting position. That's perfect. And you know, kudos to you for building a design that's so adjustable and, and makes it that easy. Yep. It wasn't uh it wasn't really in the thought process during the build but uh it is something that i I noticed um that we are able to do with it cool so all you guys out there that are one sticking and listening is there you go there's your answer cool so guys i've had you on here close to an hour now i i do want to ask a little follow-up here i heard you say um, something about maybe some sticks coming out, or can, is that something we can be looking for from uh, Buzzard Roots? I definitely think it's in the future. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't say uh, – I can't say when. It's definitely on our radar. Um, and I think like, like everything, we're going to stay uh, budget-minded with everything we do and getting people in the outdoors. Absolutely. And getting people hunting, um, and making sure that they can afford to do so. Yeah. And you know that's one thing that, and I'll give advice sometimes from folks saying, "Hey, I don't have the money for this." I'm like, "Listen, nothing says you have to rush into this. Save up a little bit of money, 
invest in some better equipment. That way your experience, once you get into this, is not going to be so horrible that you're going to be like, man, I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, the higher-end gear, you may pay a little bit more for it, but this is literally one of those times where you get what you pay for. So, yeah. you know, that would be my advice to anybody listening that's thinking about going down this road. It is a big investment, but when you invest in the right equipment, you know, you're putting your your safety and your security and your money into something that's going to make you comfortable, it's going to keep you safe, and you're going to have a much better experience versus going down a road that's just in the quality of equipment that's just not there. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, definitely scour, you know, Facebook and look for used stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, saddle hunters are gear junkies. We are, and we'll buy stuff and let it go cheap. Some <laughs> things don't get let go cheap. I can tell you that. But uh, I've I bought a lot of equipment, you know, off the off the forums, and and saved quite a bit of money that way. Absolutely, and and I I always push that out to folks. You know, those classified pages, utilize those. You'll find a lot of good stuff for you know. Yep. A discounted price in comparison to buying it from retail. So, you know, and don't anybody. don't assume it's a bad product because there's a lot of of uh, really good products out there. It just doesn't fit that particular hunter's system. Sure. Saddle hunting is all about your system. The system you create makes you more efficient. Like I said, those wild edge steps to me are the most versatile step. You'll see them on on the on the Facebook classifieds. It's oh, yeah. not because they're a bad product. They are a very good product, and I would suggest them to everybody. And I would suggest take the time to learn how to use them, and I think you'll be on the same page with me. Mm-hmm. But doesn't mean it's a bad product just because it's up for sale. It means it didn't fit, or it didn't work out for them. It didn't yep. fit their system. Well, and I'd never been exposed to them. And two years ago, I was at the West Virginia Bow Hunters Association. I was actually putting on a demo for a group of people, you know, that wanted to see how one sticking and saddle hunting kind of works. I had several saddles with me, several different climbing methods. And another gentleman that joined me who I got to meet there, he had those wild edge steps. I was like, yeah, I kind of like those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very, very versatile. And Absolutely. Platforms. When it comes to platforms, I think most everybody, uh, I call them the OGs and the OG group, they started with a ring of steps. Mm-hmm. And the wild edge steps, man, you can pack those things and and they make a nice ring of step platform once you get to the top. I sure. love them. Sure. Yep. Cool. Well, um, how did your all season go this past year? I mean, I know, I know you had to be busy putting saddles out there, but did you get any time to hunt or you, is the season still open in Louisiana? It is. Season's still open till February 15th. Oh, nice. Have you guys had any success this year so far? Uh, Anthony, you killed a really good one this year, didn't you? Yeah, I killed, I killed a good, a good one. I think I, I harvested three deer total this year. Oh, nice. Well, four, uh, one in Oklahoma. So, yeah, four, four deer and then three here in Louisiana. Cool. You know, I'm, you don't hear about Louisiana as a, a whitetail state, so to speak. You know, 
what is the deer like? Just out of my curiosity, do you guys have some pretty big deer down there? We can. It's uh, it's regional. Okay. Like, uh, closer to the rivers you get, the bigger the deer get, uh, gotcha. the better the population gets. Uh, and then there's, you know, other marshy areas that hold deer, um, but they don't hold as many and uh, they don't have the opportunity for antler growth. And they're very hard to kill. Very hard. Good old swamp uh, deer. Huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, I ended up with two deer. Uh, not, uh, I was actually uh, on on a dog hunt. We were running dogs. And I ended up killing a, a pretty good deer. Um, I'm happy with him. He'll make the wall. Oh yeah, and then the the next day, uh, I actually ended up killing another one. Uh, I went as a guest to this to this uh, lease, and I I got lucky enough to uh, to take two deer in two days. Oh, congratulations, man! Thank you. That's about the extent of my hunting this year. We went to Oklahoma. I put a poor shot on a on a decent buck, and no recovery. Uh. uh but the Oklahoma hunt and then those two days hunting was the only hunting I got to do. No kidding. I imagine you was in the shop when you wasn't at work. You was in the shop probably pumping out saddles. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> well, I'm so happy, uh, you know, your company's taking off, guys, and you've, got, you've reached the level that you've reached, and I can only see it growing from here. I mean, again, I'm not anybody special, but I'm – being observant like I am, I can see that Buzzaroot is, is definitely one of the top tier saddles out there. So I couldn't be happier for you. I couldn't be happier that you guys took the time out to jump on here with me tonight and just give us a background about who you are and where you come from and how the birth of Buzzaroot took place to begin with. I think it's cool what you guys are doing. I wish you all the success in the world, and I hope this isn't the last time we get together and, and do this. Definitely, man. Appreciate you having us. Hey, guys. I've enjoyed it. Um, again, I hope we get to talk soon. Maybe we'll check in with you about this time next year and see what kind of growth you had since the last time we talked. And I've got a sneaking suspicion it's going to be pretty substantial. But uh, <laughs> other than that, any any closing thoughts on your all's part? Man, no. Just uh, – don't hesitate to reach out to us if you have any questions. Uh, we were once new to the game too. We'll be glad to give you any uh, any advice, any anything that we've learned along the way. Just uh, reach out to us. We're pretty good about answering on Facebook, Instant Messenger, or Instagram, and and you can reach us uh, through our website. We have an app that connects all of them, and we're able to uh, to be real responsive there. So. Don't hesitate to reach out to us. No question too stupid. Nope. Perfect. And just so everybody knows, what is the website? Uh, it's buzzerroost.com, I'm guessing. Buzzerroost And then, of course, if you just search buzzerroost Buzz on Facebook, you find you there. And Instagram, same kind of handle? Yes, sir. Yep. T we also have TikTok as well. Oh, in the TikTok game. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, guys, again, I – from us here at Saddle Cartel, we appreciate you taking the time out to get on here and, and talk with us and put your information out there. Um, 
I wish you the best success in the world, and uh, we'll talk soon, guys. Yes, sir. We thank you, John. All right, thank you.